Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, this is Anita, and this is Black Menopause and Beyond. Now, it's been quite busy for me recently because it was menopause month in October and I just had loads of things on, loads of events. Um, I organised a few events. So it's been a very busy time. The conversation of menopause is growing. The change is happening. Older women are receiving, well, well we're trying to receive better health care. And as part of what I do, I do this podcast when I can. And within today's podcast i have an interview i did with pamela windle and she is a health expert she focuses on the topic around um alternative support with regards to menopause and that's her profession so you'll listen to her interview in a moment now this podcast is actually sponsored by the charity Wellbeing of Women and Holland and Barrett. Holland and Barrett have created an initiative to provide better menopause healthcare and to help increase the dialogue around menopause for ethnic, ethnic minority communities. And they have sponsored this podcast. So I, I wish to thank um, Holland and Barrett and the charity Wellbeing of Women for that. And yeah, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to go ahead now with the podcast. Hello, Anita. Thank you so much for inviting me to your podcast. Um, so tell us a bit about you. Yeah, so me. So I'm Pamela. I live in Nottingham <laughs> in the middle of the UK. Most people are in London. All that exciting things happens in London. But that's the beauty of social media. I've been able to connect with like-minded women like yourself. So yes, so am I. So I'm a, I'm a mother, um, a sister, a friend. Um, I'm not a, a child to anybody anymore. My, both my parents have passed on. Um, but you know, that's an interesting thing being my age and, you know, and having been an orphan and my mum used to talk about being an orphan when she was here and, and I kind of know what she means really. So yeah, so that's who I am. What I do is that I work with women really broadly when it comes to their health, particularly in the perimenopause and menopause journey. Yeah. And I also deliver training in organizations, consultant to organizations and also part of the BSI, the new document that was released for 
organizations around menstruation into menopause for workplace so I was an advisor to that which was really exciting as well that's really really good thank you for that how did you kind of fall into your job that what you do now yeah I mean it's been seven years since I've been talking about menopause um and back then there was nobody talking about it and nobody listening either lots of eye rollings in terms of the way I speak about it so it started really for myself in 2014 so I'm 57 now and still perimenopause and my eldest sister started having hot flushes in 2014 when our dad had died and looking back now clearly it was the stress of it all that brought that on for her but I was unwell with chronic fatigue and I'd lost my job as a result of that. And my background sort of health and fitness. I've been a personal trainer, a degree in psychology and sports science. And at that point, I was working with dependent drinkers. So I lost my job due to chronic fatigue syndrome. And I was literally housebound for five years. So I couldn't take care of myself. So all the stuff that we take for granted, you know, cutting vegetables up that used to wear me out, making the bed was a challenge, brushing my teeth, didn't brush my teeth every day, uh, certainly not twice a day. Um, life was really, really difficult. You know, money, I was literally bleeding money out and not very much coming in. But in 2014, when my dad had passed away, um, I remember seeing my sister with these hot flushes and thinking oh my goodness me like I know what that is that's the menopause you're four years older than me she was 50 about 52 I think then and I was thinking oh my gosh and that's going to be me in x amount of years and I'm going to get old and I'm going to look ugly I'm going to have these hot flushes and I'm going to get fat that's all I knew about the menopause because that's literally what the society told us um so I started reading about it and I just read the first book I read was um Dr Oz I don't know if you remember, he used to go on Oprah. Yeah, I've got a few of his books, actually. Yeah, I started reading his book. And what he was saying was about oh, liver health and, you know, detoxification. I was like, well, how come women don't know about this around the menopause? But I hadn't heard of perimenopause until 2015, when a friend of mine invited me to a Facebook group. Who, and In the Facebook group, there was like other professionals like um, physiotherapists and personal trainers and whatnot. And so she invited me to, into, into the group and the... The, the person that ran the group was called Jenny Burrell and she was created a course around, she called it Third Age Woman, around that transition into menopause. And it was a really broad course, nutrition, bone health, pelvic floor health. And I what I learned about nutrition from my personal training days was so different. And so obviously I was 47 at that point. Um, and I guess at the start of my perimenopausal journey, looking back. So anyway, I did the course literally laying down because I was so sick. But then because I went to university as an adult, I went to university at 39, I was still in that kind of goldfish bowl when I just wanted to learn more, learn, keep learning. And so then in 2016, I then trained in functional nutrition, which is what my qualification is now in terms of a woman's health coach. And if I hadn't done that course, I wouldn't be here today because I'd still be poorly because the medical system, you know, I went to the GP with chronic fatigue. Um, and they they didn't have anything to offer me apart from antidepressants or say, oh, and next you're going to develop, you know, fibromyalgia, you know, and you're going to have this for the rest of your life kind of thing. Um, yeah, you know, there, there isn't there isn't a solution for anybody that has fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue in the medical model at all. But so, you cured yourself then? Did you? I healed myself. Yeah, I healed. Oh, you're myself. a magician. <laughs> Well, I have healed many women as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, exactly. That's good because as a, as a listener, 
because sometimes when you when you talk to people about health and and fitness and things like that especially nutrition i mean they they look, normally they look really well good skin and whatever but based on your your lived experience you know what you offer can have a major impact and change because that because it changed you basically so yeah so that's quite good that's very good yeah it i i didn't i remember being at home and almost thinking about ending my life it was so bad yeah it was so bad i couldn't work out what was wrong with me i did not know and my mum kept saying to me let me buy let me put give you some money and you go and see a private doctor and i was like well what are they going to say they had nothing to offer so my training comes from america and functional nutrition is the umbrella oh sorry functional medicine is the umbrella of functional nutrition and so we come from like this tree so the tree so the branches of the tree all the body systems endocrine system is in there in terms of like hormones that's in there you've got the digestive system digestive um system you've got the cardiovascular skeletal lymphatic system you've got your immune system all of those systems all work together underneath the roots then is the actual you know the things that's causing the problem yeah the symptoms that we're experiencing so for me the major symptom for me was fatigue that was the biggest thing along with other things but the biggest thing was fatigue and I would sleep sleep wasn't a problem but I just it felt like I was walking in treacle, really. So when we got to the root cause, I mean, I had brain fog. Like I'd never heard of the word brain fog at that point, actually, um, but certainly did have brain fog. And so when we got to the root cause, for me, the root cause was actually a virus called Epstein-Barr virus. So I do diagnostic tests part of what I did for myself and what I do with my clients as well and so we tested my hormones because we wanted to make sure because I was 40 I think I was 48 by then that it wasn't a hormonal issue or adrenal um, issue so my hormones weren't bad they were just you know they were pretty good for a woman my age I was still having a regular cycle and everything um we did some stool testing making sure there wasn't anything going on there any sort of pathogens or parasites you know that was causing it or like gut microbiome as well sort of bacteria in the gut and and then we did another test which is an organic acid test which I really love and I generally use for anybody that's got fatigue such as fibromyalgia because it can look at something called your mitochondria which is in your body so your like internal energy factory for anybody that doesn't know what it means um and so we can look at that and it looks at uh, sort of toxicity, absorption of, you know, those foods that nutrients that support energy and brain function and mood and everything. And so, yeah, there were some things that needed to needed to work on because I was 48. By the time you get 48, you know, our bodies aren't perfect <laughs> and internally. And um, but there wasn't anything that was like, yes, this is why this woman is so sick. So we did these tests did some nutritional changes some really good high grade medical supplements and then after three months there was a slight change but not big enough so we decided to look at my my blood and the first blood test that we did was called Epstein-Barr so Epstein-Barr is a virus that apparently 80% of the population have but for us as women it can reignite itself at any time when there's a hormonal shift so like postpartum after childbirth or perimenopause yeah so that's what we we realized what it was it's same family as glandular fever um but I didn't have glandular fever I've had flu 
several times, but I don't know. I had flu in 2012. We don't know whether it was that flu virus or flu virus I've had before. But I think being in perimenopause basically made that I was uh, really affected by it. Wow, wow. <laughs> That's a lot. And it's also quite because you, you cover holistic medicine. Am I correct? Holistic. Um, but it's also quite good for me to hear that you understand the medical body if that makes sense um, because sometimes holistic um, medicine deliverers or whatever they're called they don't actually use language which relates to the human body um, but they tell you to take all kinds of amazing things and they tell you you can fly at the end so for me that's actually really reassuring in the fact that you understand how the body works um, and, and, and the relationship with what you offer in relation to the body on a, I suppose, a, not in the terms of medicine, but the medical implication and the medical illnesses and all that stuff. So that's really good to hear. Um, can you give us some examples of what you offer people? I know, I know you mentioned tests and things like that. Is it, is a lot to what, is it, blah, blah, blah. do you do a lot of assessment and kind of questioning and tests and then do guidance and signposting? Is that what you do? So I'm always looking for root cause. So whoever is sat in front of me, like, why are you sick? Yes, you might be perimenopausal. You might be postmenopause. Yeah, that's just one. That's just one system. Mm. So I'm looking at what else is going on. So I, I look at, uh, I take a really in-depth um, history. Like, what was your mom's health like when she conceived you? Were there any stresses? Were you breastfed? Were you bottle fed? Were you born vaginally or was it cesarean? What child illnesses did you have? Did you have eczema? Do you have asthma? Do you have psoriasis? Because believe it or not, those those um, conditions can affect you in the perimenopause and the symptoms of those. If you put them side by side for a woman that has asthma, eczema, psoriasis and hay fever, they are like for like or perimenopause and menopause symptoms literally mood disturbances anxiety depression problems with sleep palpitations problems with energy bloat problems honestly the list is side by side and so childhood illnesses kind of really give me a lot of indication of what's going on with that person that's sat in front of me and then like what traumas have you gone through you know has it been a separation of your family your mother and father when you were kids were you in a for us as black women you know were you in a family where you couldn't sit down and do nothing you had to be on the go all the time you know did you get whipped by the you know by a stick you know mm-hmm. like kind of thing did you get beaten and it might be that our parents loved us clearly but it was traumatizing for us as kids mm. yeah and then you know what happened at school you told you were stupid and you were thick you know and you believed that and then when you went into the workforce you know what traumas did you experience there from being a black woman so that and then you have the pill and then you have antibiotics and then you have other conditions like endometriosis and so endometriosis um is now they're suggesting that it's an autoimmunity um and they're gonna have worse symptoms you know and I see many women that come see me and ask about their periods when they started and they go oh it was heavy and it's been painful has anybody suggested you might have endometriosis or adamitis and I go no right so often for women our age these things have gone undiagnosed and then PCOS as well you know that's metabolic syndrome she's definitely going to have a worse menopause because 
she's already got this unbalance of hormone. She's already struggling with weight around the middle. She's already at risk of type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular disease. Never mind then the hormone shift. So I look at that, you know, detailed look at your lifespan, what's affected you during that time, heartbreak, the whole lot. Mm. Um, and then, you know, we don't always start off with testing. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we, you know, we just do some work around the trauma. Um, so I'm trained as a, a hypnotherapist and NLP practitioner, and I do psychotherapy tools as well. So sometimes we do like some inner child work that, for example, just thinking of a client of mine who had problems with sleeping and we did some inner child work and you know that sorted her sleep out because she didn't feel safe so often you know things like that can interplay with us today as women um you know and I also look at blood markers so you know tests from your GP cholesterol chat tests um a blood sugar monitoring as well we do that for you know particularly if you're on the crust of having um type 2 diabetes thyroid health you know all the vitamin d's inflammation b vitamins 12 b12 and 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 folate so we look at all of those um so i read them in a very different way i read them so that that you're optimal rather than just in range that's what i do and then guidance around nutrition targeted supplements lifestyle generally it's not very often i signpost to somebody unless it was something that i couldn't work with it was a path parasite or something i'd signpost to somebody that did that that's just out of my remit or a physical thing like i needed a physiotherapist or something more deeper in terms of emotional like you know rape or something like that then i would signpost to you know a therapist that dealt with that wow that's that's a lot (laughs) that's a a lot lot. that's a lot to take in actually that's very holistic i mean how do you feel about some people who just to go to the doctor and take a tablet um i feel that if that's what she wants to do then that's fine however just taking a tablet won't get rid of the thing it just suppresses it so like you can have a headache yeah mm. and you can take a paracetamol but if you took a paracetamol every day that paracetamol is going to cause problems within your body so it's just suppressing the the problem the system symptom should I say but there could be many reasons why you have a headache you could be dehydrated you could have some food intolerances you could have hormone imbalances you might even need some structural work done you know around the shoulders and neck you could be stressed so there are many reasons mm. so that's medical the medical medical model is either to take a tablet to suppress a symptom or if it's something more serious, to cut it out. Whereas my training is to find the root cause, support all of those body systems, and then the body will heal like I healed, you know. And that's the thing, the healing didn't happen overnight. So a drug um, could make you feel, go back to the paracetamol, take away the headache straight away. But while we're looking for root cause, you know, it might take a bit of time for those things because we're using food we're using herbs we're using supplements we're using lifestyle some really simple things like exposing your eyes to natural daylight and that really impacts your energy levels and your sleep and your mood you know so it just takes time for it to work but it does work and when I say time no it's months three months but for me with the chronic fatigue that I had it was a year you you know what even though a year's long I actually think that that's still amazing I think that's quick because um, 
I presume that you had a build-up of issues that contributed to you feeling like that, which took time. So for you to do a complete turnaround rather than masking it, a year, I would imagine, is actually quite... Yeah, you're right. It does take time to be sick, <laughs> to mm. become sick, so that it's at a point where it's debilitating. And then five years still in it and not knowing what's going on. But yeah, a year, a year. And then I remember going to the doctor in 2018 and saying to her can you add to my medical records I no longer have chronic fatigue syndrome and and she said well tell me about that what did you do <laughs> and I was like where do I start with this one then because mm-hmm. you're a doctor you're not going to believe anything that I'm saying mm-hmm. actually it was all natural you know my gut my liver all the, all the other systems in the body um mm-hmm. and she did she did she did add it something in because your you know your insurances are affected by not having by having chronic fatigue you know so i wanted it changing mm. oh, that's good that's good Even, and it's also sometimes good i think for doctors to hear that there are other alternatives to them <laughs> um now i mean we have mentioned women of color um because you offer your service to everyone yeah that's yeah so when it comes to women of color and it could be brown or black do you sometimes tailor what you offer and if you do how do you tailor I don't necessarily tailor per se because every woman that comes to see me has her own unique journey however there were some similarities I've seen with the women that I've worked with who are of color particularly black women and sometimes age women yeah there's this thing around the family okay yeah, the extended family um, in terms of the commitment that's that's put on them um, in terms of how in, in an ability to look after themselves because, you know, the parents need their support because they're aging as well. And it's like this guilt as well. So I see that a lot um with 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 black women and Asian women and again it's about creating healthy boundaries you know so as a coach and a therapist I help those women to create those boundaries and I don't really get that as much with with white women actually in terms of that guilt and um pressure from the family members um in terms of anything else there isn't anything really it's whoever I'm sat with you know the in terms of a black woman the things that she didn't have to explain you know I get it yeah it's a cultural understanding a cultural understanding and I suppose it's an element of feeling safe because they're disclosing some very personal information I don't I know how I feel I know how other women of color black or brown sometimes explaining your health concerned to someone who doesn't necessarily understand your narrative is a barrier for some women so even if there wasn't a biological difference culturally and emotionally a barrier is lowered for some women just by talking to you and it's not about racism it's just about comfort and feeling safe and you know they they look at you and they feel I presume an emotional connection that helps deal with all elements around trust and providing personalized services so that's that's good to hear and, and i do like to, i do mention that and i have mentioned that in a podcast because sometimes people feel it's reversed racism if a person of color wants to go to see somebody of color and i say no it's not it's not it's it's about safety it's about an understanding without having to explain um and for some women that's really important and when you're always the other or mm. the niche or when you're never the default 
that gets to you or can get to you and it can be part of that stressor um, and going to someone where you don't have that as a stressor can actually relieve your 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 inner negativity am, am I correct I'm just making I'm just saying stuff but it's right isn't it You're absolutely right yeah it takes it's just one layer it's one thing we remove the thing that's stressing you out yeah you remove one thing and that is huge yeah yeah yeah, and I, I think that's really important sometimes for people to understand. It's not reverse racism. It's it's just kind of eliminating that other element and you're making yourself the default. In that room, there's a black woman talking to a black woman and you're not the other. And that, when you're a person of colour who was born in this country and you're half a century, I don't mean to rub it in, but you're half a century, that is a novelty. It is, isn't it? Yeah. It, it is. is. It is. Yeah. It is. Hmm. Well, just as we were talking about, um, you know, women of colour being with women of colour, you know, I was did a consultation this morning. Mm. I was speaking to another melanin woman and um, she thought, you know, it's interesting that you've not put it out there in the public domain rather than just going into people's inboxes. And uh, she said because she read a, something that's happened in America that a, a company, a charity, have been take, they've been taken to court by a white person who's saying that they've been discriminated about to because they can't, they can't have access to this charity. Yeah, I mean, um, I think that I've heard things like that before. And because I, like, I'm a community worker, I have to be so careful about what I say because, because, because that's my that's my job. That's how I get paid. I do. I work for charities and community organisations, but I cover loads of stuff, and I'm a signposter basically. So, yeah. um, so that's what I do, and I'm conscious of the fact that when I talk about black in certain spaces, yeah, that I have to say it in a way that no one can take it and use it against me professionally. Because it has been done and say, well, why are you helping a white woman when you only care about black women? I said, Actually, I care about all women, all mm. women I care about. It's just that I understand the narratives of black women. Yeah. yeah. And I understand that there are additional barriers for black women, for Asian women, for women with disabilities, LGBTQ. Um, okay. But I also have the lived experience of a black woman. So it's very close to my home. And some of the things I talk about in relation to black women are my lived experience. So mm. I have to explain myself because... And my work around menopause is sometimes thrown back in my professional space that actually pays my bills. I mean, the thing is, it's that trust thing. That's what it is. That that is such a major barrier, and that's it. It's that is such a major barrier. That trust thing, um, and that the community work that I do. I don't, with regards to menopause, I don't do anything medical. I just signpost, and I and and my job really is to know enough information to do a good signpost. That, that's the information I need to know. But a lot of people I work with are lower social demographics. And mm. so many older women are experiencing menopause, domestic violence, menopause, breakup relationships, menopause, struggling to parent, menopause, poor housing, menopause, you know, mental health. And, and I can see it. And I can, I can go, I can talk to a woman and I can see they're dealing with emotional trauma, and but they don't know it. That's the thing. They don't know it. They can't afford to get private care. The GP ignores them. Yeah. And, and, I, and I can see their struggle. And it's really hard to signpost because the National Health Service is rubbish. And they economically can't afford to go to people like you. Yeah. So my dream, my dream is to have an app to support those women. And, and so we could talk about the HRT thing, because for me, those women who are, those women are low economic status, the cleaners, the carers, that don't have the you know the access to good quality food their bodies and hrt is not a good mix 
Okay, I'm not surprised by that, to be honest with you. Yeah. I'm not surprised. I mean, because I, I, because I'm overweight, I know that, well, the doctor won't put me on HRT. I know that um, because I'm overweight, HRT don't go well together. You know, no. yeah, and I've heard loads of plus size women say the same thing, even though because you're overweight, you're more prone to get diabetes, you're more prone to get heart condition, HRT, the fact they won't prescribe HRT to people who are overweight, it makes you, it makes me question what is in HRT. It's, it, it's supposed to help you, but it, but I'm not allowed to take it. Yeah, <laughs> because, because HRT, well, the thing with being overweight is because you're likely then to have fatty delivered disease as a result of that so your body's going to be compromised in terms of detoxifying so hrt you know you have to detoxify estrogen out of your liver that is one of the places and also in colon so if you're overweight it's your liver is going to be already compromised so then if you're not um detoxifying it well from the colon from the liver that means it's backing up then it's going to be a risk for cancer and the other thing is that fat also produces its own estrogen yeah no so yeah. you've got then your own estrogen, you've mm. got estrogen from the fat, and then your liver isn't doing a good job of detoxifying estrogen. And then your gut microbiome also isn't going to be doing a good job of detoxifying estrogen. So the buildup of estrogen for you is going to be way too high. And that's mm. a risk. Women, depending, you know, how overweight you have to be, in my opinion, Every woman that's slightly overweight shouldn't be on it, to be honest. And she's not having a bowel movement, definitely not shouldn't be on it. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Not getting rid of estrogen out of your body. It's backing up for your system, causing growing cancer. We need to poo. I'm going to share with you, I poo daily. (laughs) 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 I'm going to share with you there. Um, So, um, Pamela, we we read a lot in the news that black women have worse menopause symptoms. Now, I know with regards to my job, I'm I'm a community worker. Um, um, I... I don't know about the medical cycle. That's not my area. And I know when I come across women of color, um, they appear to me to have worse symptoms, but I know they live, they experience more social issues and social barriers. So I know that that increases their stress level. Um, but in relation to what you do, how, how do you respond to that comment that black women have worse menopause? Yeah, I, I have really strong views about it, to be honest. And like, most of the time they go, what, where does this come from? I know where it comes from. It comes from America. However, my thoughts are, wouldn't it be better to say five out of 10 black women experience menopausal symptoms worse than their white counterparts? You know, like why, why this blanket approach to one race or two? Obviously it was Hispanics as well, wasn't it? But why this blanket approach when it was one study done many many years ago is that the swan study you're yeah, referring to? Yeah. yeah um done a long time ago and yes the women that they did actually do the study on i mean the study itself was a good study the most i think the women were from a really you know sort of poor area of america and yes like you said those women are going to struggle but when we look at the female body and everything that she'd gone through all of the hormones that hormonal issues that she might have and histamine and mold and gut issues and the pill and you know the food that we eat today because most of it's full of antibiotics anyway and the meat that we have to eat and and the vegetables and the fruit sprayed with chemicals all of that how can we then say that one group of women have worse symptoms 
when we add all of those variables into the mix. You know, we talked about endometriosis, PCOS, histamine intolerance, you know, the woman that's itching, that's histamine. And then today I've read an article, a study from the International Menopause Society that's saying, you know, what they call now um, genital urinary, as in terms of it's, you know, atrophy and dryness. You know, there's studies to say that it's to do with what micro, or no, so to go with your microbiome in your vagina and also your gut and your mouth. So, you know, we can't, I don't think that we can unless we're doing studies with all these different variables. Are we asking black women, you know, have you been on the pill? Are we asking black women, do you have endometriosis? Are we asking them, do you have PCOS? Do you have histamine intolerance? Do you have autoimmunity? You know, unless we ask those questions and say, this group has this, this group has this, therefore their symptoms are worse. You know, this is, this sounds strange. Well, it might sound strange to some people because I'm, you know, I'm a co-founder to Black Women in Menopause and Nina, wonderful Nina is the founder. She is the, the queen of Black Women in Menopause and I'm her, her, her elf. Yes, I'm her helper. But I actually kind of agree with you. And the reason why I agree with you is because I know that social issues have a major impact across the board on health, full stop. Yeah. So from what I can see, yeah, that the barriers that, that black women experience, which can worsen their menopause, are external. Yeah. But I'm not a medical person. So rather than say, I mean, black women might have more layers, but any woman can have more layers with regards to social inequality. Yeah. So you're not really addressing the social inequalities. You're kind of making, you're distracting from the thing that really matters, which is dealing with social inequality. Um, yeah. Um, but also one thing I'm also passionate about is they don't research us enough. So if they don't research us enough, I'm not going to rely on one research because I feel that that's a contradiction. Absolutely. <laughs> but then the other hand is, are we going to be part, part of the research? Are we going to participate? Because black women don't do that either. Because of trust. Yes, exactly. <laughs> because it, it's because of trust and also because of the systems that are placed researching us are predominantly white middle-class university educated women who are being paid who but we as a community of women who as you say we have so many commitments we're expected to participate and not be paid we're part we're we're walking into systems where the people who are assessing our symptoms don't have lived experience yeah yeah and also when you do participate in research nine out of ten times they never come back with a feedback so and sometimes they don't even action anything from their research it was just research so actually okay, yeah. if you're suppressed if you're struggling if you haven't got much time and if you're economically disadvantaged why should you give somebody who's probably earned a lot of money two hours of your time and you don't see feedback exactly i agree there was there's an article actually that um, i've read recently that talks about black women asian women and hrt and that, you know, black women don't take it up or Asian women don't take it up. And it's like, oh, we, the advisors have said, oh, we need to target those people. But for me, I'm thinking, well, you're assuming that these black people, black women are stupid or thick, you know. Yeah. Like, what if they've just decided they don't want to take it because they don't trust the system? Yeah. And, and the thing is that they medically should know that there were different. See, I'm not a medical person. I always tell people I'm not medical. I signpost. I, I haven't mastered my own health, so therefore I'm never going to sell it. But I'm very passionate that women go to good professionals. That's what my passion is. But I, um, I was talking to a woman, and she was talking about collagen. 
and how black women they benefit from collagen it helps them age better she actually worked for, she was a nurse at the hospital and they age better but also this is what a nurse said yeah it also good collagen reduces incontinence issues so she said one of the perks of being a black woman apparently is your high level of collagen which i don't know which is true but it came from a nurse and i thought see that's the example there are differences there, there are, are differences. There are differences, but do you accommodate these differences when you do biological research? There you, are, as a nurse, are telling me there's a difference. <laughs> they are, and the other thing is, like, um, our pelvic floor muscle has more fast twitch muscle fibers. So, I liken it to chicken. You know, you got the white meat on a chicken, which is the breast, and then you got the brown meat, which is the leg. So, the brown meat is fast twitch fibers. So, they're really fast. Yeah. yeah. So, you see the lineup of 100 meters of the yeah. athletes. It's black people, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We've got more fast twitch muscles, fibers in our bodies. So the pelvic floor muscle has fast twitch fiber muscles. So if we've got more systemically, what does that mean for our pelvic floor health? Yeah. So there are differences. Yeah. And then maybe that's what we they need to when they do research, it's not just about asking questions. It's about looking at the things um that we experience. And it could be as you've said, other ethnicities, because white working class women experience all kinds of things, which sometimes are very similar to black working class. Yeah, because it's about economic de deprivation, a lack of access to good services um, and things like that. So sometimes the issue isn't colour. Sometimes it's just deprivation. That's it. Yeah, yeah. so deprivation is a layer. And then you've yeah. got all the other things that I've talked yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes, yeah. So, but the research needs, to, if you want to understand black menopause, you need to have an understanding of all kinds of things, not just do a survey. Um, you know, did you get HRT from your doctor? No. I don't want it. And it could be they don't want it because they prefer alternative, or it could be they don't want it because they don't trust it. Yeah, exactly. And that's, so that's, saying that actually as a black woman because you don't trust it that means somehow that you're stupid and you don't actually understand the risks that you're you're putting yourself at you know <laughs> and I just think that would they say that if it was white women no they wouldn't they would just say that's fine so that blanket approach black women headlines that many people are talking about infuriates me so much because unless we've got the research and it's looked at pro looked at properly we can't go black women enter menopause i'm 57 i had my last bleed last month okay yeah? so yeah talking about <laughs> i know cause sometimes i do um uh, consultation but not in a medical term sometimes companies want to understand the patient experience from a low social economic group so i had a consultation where someone contacted me she said I keep hearing that black women have worse menopause, but I can't see why. <laughs> so I said, you know what, I'm not a medical person, but I know some stuff is said. But also I said, I'm not, and I'm not mean to be demonised because I'm a large person as well, yeah, but I know that from what I hear, BMI is an issue with regards to HRT, yeah, and black women have a high BMI on average, yeah. So maybe, I, mean, I don't know, I'm not saying that that's the issue as a whole, but maybe there are little things like that which are different that are having an impact and also the medication isn't tailored for the black body. Yeah. 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 So that's maybe the problem. It's poor research and the lack of understanding that's causing it. Yeah, um, that's not the first thing though, you know, um, even like our thyroid health, 
the markers for thyroid. Ours is different for black women. It's slightly okay. like, yeah. So, so there's so many things that we don't know about ourselves. So, so many, like vitamin D. What is what is optimal vitamin D levels for us? Mm. Sure. Yeah, we exactly. don't know. Yeah. We don't know. We don't know. And there's so many black people walking around with deficiency, especially during winter. And we just, they can't rely on the side of the bottle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so I agree with you definitely there. Um, Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 